0: Thanks for joining us again, and let's get to the service. I wanted to ask you a question. What sort of shopper are you? I'll give you a few options, and you can make up your own mind. What sort of shopper are you? Are you a the sort of shopper that goes out and browses the shops, your browser you sort of wander through I'm not quite sure what I want yet I'll have a look I'm gonna be honest when it comes to Bunnings I'm a browser I'm a browser absolutely what about those of you that are a you're a list person so you've got your list written down of what it is that you need and that's where you're going like there like a laser straight to the spot You walk into Woolies and you're like, all right, I need canned tuna and pickles. I don't know why those two things. All right, aisle six and aisle eight. Boom, let's do this. Some of you are the laser-guided list people. What about when it comes to something a little bit more complicated? What about when it comes to a car? Say you need to buy a car. Are you a wander down to the car yard, have a bit of a look around, see what's available, maybe take one, take two for a test drive and then make a choice? Anyone that sort of car yard sort of person, buying a new car? What about the review scrollers? Anyone a review scroller? One of the blessings and the curses of our era is that everyone has an opinion about everything and then they're really happy to share it with you. I've, um, we, we bought a car just recently because our other one packed up and died and wasn't worth repairing it. And we bought a car, but I've got to tell you that it was a liberating experience because we took the car to a car yard. They said, can't fix it. So you're going to have to buy something. And I was stuck there at the car yard. I got a choice to make. I can hop on Google and start scrolling reviews and trying to figure out what's the best car for me and stuff, or I can look at what's right in front of me because I've got to get home somehow. And granted, we've done a little bit of research to understand that where whereabouts would be a helpful sort of car yard that's got the sorts of cars that we're looking for, and so at least it gives me some options. So I'm a little bit wiser and more planned than, than, um, than some of you might think, but I was faced with this reality because my nature if I'm honest, is that I'm really keen to hear the reviews, hear the opinions, hear the thoughts of the world, people that have tried something before me to get a sense of what that thing is like. Anyone else do that? If you don't, you're a lie alive pants on fire because we all do this. We all draw upon the opinions, the thoughts, the reflections of others to shape our opinions about things in the world. And the reason I know that this is true of you is because you have heard what someone else said about someone that you've never met. You've asked them, well, what are they like? Anyone that, when, when they call a new pastor to a church, there's a bunch of people a committee that former a subcommittee, it's called a nominating committee, and they helped search for and interview and have conversations with new ministers, the JNC conversation with me before I got called here. And they rocked up and they stood here at the front of the church and said, this is the person we have found, this is what he is like. And those that were present, you might have been here then, you might not have been. But what you, what you heard in that moment was a perspective, a picture, an idea, an impression of what I was like, and from that you formed an opinion of what I was like, positively or negatively. I like to think it was positive. I wasn't here on the day, so I don't know what, I don't know, was it Taylor? Was it you who said it? Someone. I don't know who the chairperson was, but it didn't matter. Um, a, couple of, a couple of them are here this morning. Um, I don't know what they said, but it seemed to be good because you guys decided I was worth having here as a, as a minister, as a pastor. And I'm grateful to be here, in that regard. But it's it's a simple reality that that those you as a congregation formed an opinion about me based on what the other people said about me, and we ha- we encounter this everywhere. Re- we read up r- reviews online about a certain product before we consider whether we're going to buy it or not, and based on what other people say determines what we think about that thing. And sadly. Because we're human, we do the same thing about people before we meet them. Oh, what's that person like? Oh, she's a bit of a, she's a bit naggy sometimes or he's he's a bit overbearing or or whatever. And the second they say that, it shapes an opinion in our mind of what that person is like or what that car is going to be like to drive or what that product is going to be like, how long it's going to last. We get those perspectives from other people on what they have to say. And the reason that that matters is the what we think about something ultimately determines how we feel about that thing or that person. What we think about them, what we've heard about them, ultimately determines how we feel about them. And how we feel about a person ultimately determines how we relate to them. See, if you're a bit skeptical or you think that there's someone, someone might be a little bit overbearing, then when you go into a conversation with that person, there's a, there's a hesitation, there's a, there's a level of concern, there's something going on within us that impacts how we relate to that person based on what we know of the person already, based on how that transfers to how we feel about that person and then how we relate to them. And that's true of so many different areas of our life. And the thing that I want to explore with us over these next few weeks is that that is exactly the way that we interact with God. That is exactly the way that you and I interact with God. That at some point in our life, we have shaped, we have heard something, we've gained a perspective about what God is like, and based on that, we feel a certain way about God. If you've had, if you've heard good, if you've seen good things about, uh, from people about what God is like and what God has done in people's lives, then we have a, a positive feeling about God, which means we have the inclination to relate to God in a kinder, of, perhaps more constructive way. But then the, the converse is true, isn't it? That if all we've ever heard about God is judgment and wrath. If all we ever know, all we know of God is is the perspective, a perspective of how He's presented in the Old Testament. And that might be your story. You might have come here or you might be joining us online. And to be honest, your experience of, of God and of things of faith is this God of judgment. If you don't do the right things, then God's going to get you. Or if you don't live the right sorts of ways, then then you're not going to be good enough. And when we have that perspective, it ultimately impacts how we feel about God. He's I I don't know if I I don't know if I want to talk to God. If he's gonna behave like that. If he's gonna be vengeful and angry and, and all that sort of stuff I don't know if I wanna do that. And then if I don't want to talk to him, then maybe if that's what I believe about him, then maybe that he's not worth my time at all. Maybe I'll just go and do what I wanna do. Maybe I won't listen to what he's got to say about how I should live my life, and it, that extends to every part of faith. Because if we don't believe that God is good, if we don't believe God is loving, if we don't believe God is trustworthy, then this is worth nothing to us, is it? If we don't believe that God can do things in the world and wants to, then why do we bother praying? Because if God doesn't know who you are and cares even less what you think or who, or you know, in your circumstances, then why should we bother praying? The reality is, what we think of and the perspective we have about God radically impacts the way that we are called to live our life, or the way that we actually live our life. And so throughout this series, we're going to look at some of the attributes of God. And I wish we had time to look at all of them, but we're just going to look at three significant ones. And today I want to talk about faithfulness. I wonder if you got that tone from the song that we sang, or the other songs we've sung so far. Indeed, all that we have, all that we're singing today, is about the faithfulness of God. And the reason I think this matters so much is because when God, if if God exists, and if God loves us, God's got to be faithful. God needs to be trustworthy. If He's worth following at all. And so I thought that's the first place that we need to stop and to take notice. And I thought the most helpful way to go about doing this is to read some Google reviews. Not on my phone, that was just something else. Is to read some Google reviews. Do you want to read some Google reviews about God? You can? Where would we look for some Google reviews about God? Google? Nah. You can find anything on Google. Why don't we look here? Why don't we look here? Because if if we put weight on the opinions of people that wrote on Troop Advisor how good a restaurant was to determine whether we go there or not, how much more ought we put weight on the opinions of people that lived across... Three and a half, five and a half thousand years, thereabouts. And their consistent recorded accounts of their encounters with God, with the creator of the universe. Do you reckon they'd be worth having a look at? Do you want to do that with me? Because I think that's what we've got to do. And so let's have a bit of a look. And see what some of these people that testified to the faithfulness of God had to say. Anyone remember a guy called Moses? Moses. Went up up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. You've definitely heard of those. And he has a conversation with God or he has an encounter with God up the mountain after breaking the tablets and... He gets frustrated and it's a whole thing but god appears before him and god declares a truth about himself before this guy called moses and he, he proclaims his name yahweh and in, in, in exodus 34 he says and he that is god passed in front of moses proclaiming yahweh yahweh so the lord of the lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, is our word. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes or brings consequence upon the children and their children for sin to the third and fourth generation. Now, don't get lost in the second half of that. What what it was talking about there is consequence, but that's a sermon for another day. In fact, I think I've preached about that lately. What we need to notice there is what God declares of Himself. God says, I am a great many things, but one of the most significant is that I need to be known for, is I need to be known for being faithful. And this is recorded by the author of Exodus. So it had to be Moses that heard those words. It had to be Moses that ensured that this was recorded. But we've got to think about where Moses has been over this time. If you know the story of Moses, the story of the Exodus, it's a story of God calling this guy who was a prince of Egypt, who gets exiled, well, runs away from Egypt after murdering an Egyptian. And he's called back to help free the nation of Israel from the oppression of Egypt. They were slaves. And so Moses, with all this as the backdrop, sees all of this happen. And he's not quite sure how it's all going to work out, but he goes up to Pharaoh and he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, yeah, nah. Do you know how much they're worth? They're building everything. And we don't have to pay him anything. This is an awesome deal for me. Why would I let them go? And what does God do in response? He brings a bunch of plagues upon the nation of Egypt, one after another. And if you look at the scholarship, it says, God, with each of those plagues, humbles the primary gods of Egypt, one after another. Boom. That one is not God I am. That one is not God I am. That one is not God, I am. And so with and then and then through that, all the people, all the nation of Israel, leave Egypt. In fact, they get thrown out of Egypt. And so and this is them in the wilderness trying to figure out what it means to be God's people. And Moses goes up the mountain to get the commandments which were going to be the, the law, the thing that would shape them as an, as a nation. That's the backdrop of this moment in time. That's the backdrop. And so what do you think Moses could say reliably about God based on everything he has seen? God said what what he would do and then he did it. And here we are. And so Moses can reliably record this idea. That God is faithful. And he records it even further further down in Deuteronomy chapter 7. And he says, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery. Here's our narrative. From the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, know therefore that the Lord, your God, is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. There it is. Fast forward a little while. We find King David, a guy who threw a rock, well slung a rock, killed a killed a giant, Goliath. We know most of you would know that story in some form or another the man after was after God's own heart and he writes in psalm 33 verse 4 he says for the word of the lord is right and true he is faithful in all he does david this is king david by now he was a shepherd and he faced down the greatest warrior of, a, of the Philistine nation with nothing but a sling and a rock. And with that as his story, he says, by the way, God is faithful. Do you reckon he's credible? Do you reckon he's seen something cool enough that we're, he's worth listening to? I think so. But we're not done. Jeremiah, this is, this is the one that um, Angus quoted this morning. Jeremiah records the exile of the nation of Israel and the consequences of that and a whole bunch of prophetic stuff. It's, it's a lot to take in. But in Lamentations chapter 3, he writes this, trying to make sense of everything. He writes, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. This is not the end of the story, this nation of Israel in exile in, in Babylon. This is not the end of our story, he writes. For His, that is God's, compassion will never fail. Mercies is the other way to translate that. They are new every single morning. Great is His faithfulness. God will come through. And then we fast forward to the New Testament and we read about the stories of people that journeyed with Jesus. John, the beloved disciple, he was—he called himself that, by the way. So I don't know if Jesus agreed with that, or but it's in the Scriptures and so we've got to give up what it is. But he called himself the beloved the disciple, Jesus' best friend, essentially. And John writes in, as he's thinking about he's, he's, he's exiled on the Isle of Patmos. And he's there and it's where he... He writes the letters that he sends to the church, recorded. And he's sitting there thinking, what do I say about this God that I follow, about this Jesus that I did life with? I lived in his pocket for three years. What do I say about this guy that it might be kept and held on to for generations to come? What do I want him to know? And he writes about his experience of of Jesus and what he saw Jesus do and the love that he showed. And he writes about our standing with God. And he writes this. He writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, that only works if God is faithful. Because what is, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is consistency. Faithfulness is reliability. Faithfulness is the likeliness to follow through on the things that you say you are going to And here we have, recorded so many times, and it's not. this is not just recorded in one book as though it's cyclical reasoning, this is different people, different experiences, different times. Some of these people lived as far from Jesus' time as we do, but in the other direction. Yet across that span of time, God has remained faithful, consistent with what he said he would do time and time again. And if we're honest, everything that we do, everything that we are as a church, everything that we hold to, as followers of Jesus, is grounded in that truth. Will God forgive you? Yep. Why? Because he said he would. Does God love you? Why? How do you know? Because he said he would. Will you have... What you need in this life to do what God has called you to do? Yes. Why? How do you know? Because God said you would. That's God's faithfulness at work. That's what we can trust when He promises that a life with God at our centre will bring peace will bring hope, will bring joy, that a life transformed means we can live with courage to do the right thing, that we can persevere in certain things and trust that there is something worthwhile on the other side of the pain and the affliction and the frustration and the emptiness and the loneliness, we can press through it. Why? Because God is on the other side of it with something far greater than anything we could have imagined. How do we know that? Because we have literally hundreds of accounts of God's faithfulness to that being true. We can trust God's grace and his forgiveness. Because Jesus said that his sacrifice would be enough. And it was. So that you and I don't need to do anything else to be free. To be saved. To be Set free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I feel like I've quoted that every single sermon in the last few weeks, but it's true, and that's built upon one thing the faithfulness of God's promises. For Eloise and I, faithfulness I guess the challenge becomes but hey God, what about, like, what about lately? Has anything happened lately? Because this is like, maybe the most recent thing recorded in in this series of writings is like 1900 years ago or thereabouts. So what about lately? And I've got to tell you, for me, I get to stand up here and tell you God is faithful. Because for Eloise and I, you, and you've probably, some of you have heard this story if you've been around the church for a little while, for Eloise and I, our experience of God's faithfulness was around our journey to be parents. And that for about five years of our married life, after we decided it was time to have children, it wasn't possible for us for a bunch of complicated reasons. And as we lost hope, we were both followers of Jesus, both Christians, and as we lost hope, as we were ready to give up, we asked for some people to pray for us. We didn't tell them necessarily what it was about, but we said we just need something. We got nothing. I don't know what to do. And we we received a letter back from a friend who passed our prayer point on to a friend. It didn't say what it was about. We received this thing back, and it was it was a, a word from a paragraph, a statement. They didn't know what they were asked to pray for. They just prayed for us. And he received this word and it said, I have your children. You need to trust me. Seek me. And when the time is right, I will send them to you. When the time is right, I will send them to you. They didn't know. How did they know? And yet when the time was right, I left another job and entered the ministry. We sought God, Eloise and I. We did what God asked of us. And we're blessed with two beautiful girls that God said we would have. If you know our story, we went through IVF as a part of that journey. It's the way it needed to be. But twice, first time, One embryo, if you know anything about IVF, the data is off the charts for this. Twice. One embryo, one beautiful daughter. God is faithful. God keeps His promises. But the tension that you and I have to wrestle with is the timing. Because time and again, we might find ourselves crying out going, but God, when are you going to do this? And I've got to tell you, i prayed that more than once. Thousands of times, I'm sure. And we should pray those prayers. But God's response to us is one that we can trust. Now let me be clear, God's not going to do things for you that He never promised. You didn't, he never promised you a Ferrari. You think He promised you one, but He didn't. So He's probably not going to give you one. But what did God promise? He promised that He would never leave you or forsake you. So no matter what, that whatever the dark valley is you are going through right now, where you might be struggling financial, financially to make ends meet, you might be struggling with health concerns, you might be struggling with a broken relationship with someone, you might be struggling in a bunch of different ways, and you're sitting there wondering, God, where are you? And what I've got to tell you, quite simply, is if we believe that this is true, then we can believe that the God you are praying to is faithful. That He will do what He promised He would do. And it's not that you wouldn't go; that we wouldn't go through dark valleys. Is that when we do, God would be there. It's not that we would be able to be be extraordinarily famous or or have extraordinary influence, but. That there would be people in our lives that he would call us to love into the kingdom. You might not be considered a influencer on social media with a million followers. I'm not. I don't want to be. I'm sure you don't either. But you're an influencer over the family around you. You're an influencer over your friends. You're an influencer over the people that you go to church with. Some of whom are struggling with journeys you have no idea about. Yet, we can speak hope. We can be hope and love. Why? Because God is faithful. So my question for you this morning is, do you trust God? Do you trust Him? Because that's where all of this leads. Is the you and I, we want to be able to trust the people that we're in relationship with, right? We like to think that they will do what they say they're going to do, that they're going to be where they say they're going to be. And so my question for you is, do you trust God? Because there's a stack of people that have said He's worth trusting. And they're, they're sitting around you. They're recorded in the Scriptures. They're standing in front of you. And so for some of you today, this quite simply needs to land that someone, you've experienced God's trustworthiness, you've experienced His faithfulness, and someone needs to hear your story. Later in the year, we're going to be hearing some of those through testimonies of God's faithfulness. Maybe that's you. Think about your journey. Because someone needs to hear your story of God's faithfulness to be reminded that God can be faithful to them. Or maybe for you, it's that you have lost trust. You don't know what to do with this God of the universe. Is he even there? Is his presence even make a difference? Quite simply, this morning, I, I need to speak a truth over your life that says... God is faithful. That's all there is to say. That He said He would forgive you, and so He will. doesn't matter what you've done. He says He'll be with you, and He will. doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter whether He feels close or whether He doesn't. There is a prevailing reality over your life that God can be trusted for His promises because He is faithful. He's faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. And he'll be faithful tomorrow. Forever. Would you pray with me, church? Loving God, it's so crazy to think that we have this powerful story of your work in the world of your journey with this nation of Israel but we have a, more than that we have stories of those around us who have experienced your faithfulness how great you are how extraordinary and so this morning Lord would you remind us of And that your faithfulness is the thing that we can stand on when we don't know how it all makes sense. That your promises are the thing we can stand on when we don't know how where to turn or what to do next. That your promises are there when we can't see a way out. When we're ready to give up. Speak into our hearts this morning, Lord. Remind us of all that you have done, even in our life. Because when we look back and we see it for what it is, we realize just how good you are. And we can use that to be courageous, to be loving, to have hope, and to live with a peace and a joy that's greater than anything we can experience in this world because you're the unchanging one. Help us to know what to do with this this morning. Give us the courage to live out that reality. In your name we pray.